You are listening to episode 302 on University of Adversity. Well, in my early 20s, I had graduated from the university and I had a spontaneous spiritual awakening. And in that spontaneous awakening, I just got really clear messages that I was supposed to go to Peru and I was going to, uh, you know, ultimately find both medicine and people who are training in it and that I was going to be accepted. It was it was kind of this whole I mean, kind of wild story. And so um, I didn't really think much of it. I didn't think that it was really going to turn out to be true. I had a lot of doubts and, you know, fears and concerns that I had just, you know, maybe gone crazy or something like that. And uh, so I decided I had to go to find out whether or not there was any truth behind the nature of the awakening and the visions that I was having. I needed to know one way or the other. And the, the scientist in me wanted to just go and test it. Life is gonna give you challenges, struggles. It's gonna force you to face your fears. Even though these may feel like your worst enemy, in truth, these are actually your greatest allies. My name is Lance Isios. Welcome to the University of Adversity. What's up, everybody? Quick update. Thank you so much for jumping in on this episode. I'm so excited to share this with you. Our crowdfunding campaign for my brand new book, Mastering Adversity, has been off to an amazing start. The pre-sales of the book have you know, been <laughs> flying, and I'm just so excited and so grateful for the support. Whether you sponsored the book, whether you, you jumped in on just a single copy, you know, one of the the offers for the launch party for the University of Adversity Summit or the one-on-one -on -one coaching, this will impact your life. And I promise you that this is going to create massive ripples and thank you for being part of it. Currently, right now, we're at just around 7,600, almost at 2,000, or almost at 10,000. We need a little bit more, 2,400 in the next two weeks or so. And I, I believe we can do it. So Thank you so much for the support, this book, and while I'm writing and while I'm kind of like really diving into like what areas I should focus on, just having that support and that belief from you guys really helps. It helps grow the show. It helps grow the summit. It helps grow everything. So thank you. Um, one thing that I really want to focus on for the next couple of months also is the University of Adversity Summit. So there is an option to join through, and I highly recommend you do, to buy a bundle, get a bunch of books, you get a ticket to the summit. There's also an opportunity that we're going to be announcing that you can get from not through the crowdfunding campaign itself, but if you don't feel called to purchase that package, we're going to have other opportunities. So this is going to be massive. I have, I've lined up three headline speakers that are just incredible. Like you guys are going to love them. They're past guests, but they're, you know, very high level and my idea here is to bring all the past guests who have impacted my life and your life so much, bring the high, most high level, inspirational, knowledgeable people. And I'm going to do quick 30 minute live interviews with them. And we're going to really focus on an area that they are experts in at mastering adversity, overcoming adversity so that you can walk away feeling empowered and with some tools. Like we really want this to be an event that is about transformation it's facilitating it's igniting that transformation that we have within us and sometimes hearing these stories is is what we need to kind of be the catalyst to push us forward and this is a this has been a dream of mine and a goal of mine is create a summit around university of adversity and something that i want to do yearly annually so 
this is going to be the first year we're off to a good start at lining up some big guests and I'm going for the limits. We may have guests that haven't been on the show yet. I'm going to try and focus on the ones that have been, but we'll see. It's going to be really interesting. It's going to be May 21st, um, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We're going to have a panel of speakers. I'm going to be interviewing them. And then at the end, we're going to have a group, like a panel where we're going to have some interviews there. So it's going to be Friday, Saturday, Sunday, a bunch of half an hour interviews, then a panel at the end of each day. So it's going to be super, super jam packed with value. And these people are going to be great. I'm going to do my best to pull out the gold like I do in University of Adversity, the, sh- or the podcast that you're listening to, but it's going to be shorter. It's going to be short to the point. We're going to hit hard and it's all going to be for you guys and give you the tools you need to get through the shit that we may all be going through at some point. And I want to be able to provide you with somebody specifically that can help you with that. So that's going to be incredible. Really excited to share more details with you on that, but I just wanted to plant that seed that that is coming. So today's guest, I first learned about him through Aubrey Marcus, my mentor, through his podcast um, and his journey through ayahuasca with ayahuasca for many years. And I wanted to have him on the show. So we got connected through a friend of mine, past guest, Matt Belair. Matt Belair is incredible. And I would highly recommend checking him out. He's been on tons of podcasts. Um, He introduced me to Hamilton Southern, Maestro Hamilton Southern. And we dove into all things ayahuasca, his shamanism, all of that. Um, Hamilton is a master ayahuasca shaman who moved from the United States to Peru in his early 20s to find out if there is any truth behind mysticism and shamanism. He ended up becoming one of the few non-native men to be initiated into traditional ways of ayahuasca shamanism. So really interesting because he's been there. He's done this stuff thousands of times, been with the medicine. He's really learned the ins and outs. He's wrote books about it. He just released a new book that we'll share in the show notes. And really, we got into the insight. We kind of unpacked what ayahuasca means to him. Tied in a little bit of my story, what I went through. And during this call, I was fresh off the medicine. So this call was a few weeks ago. We wanted to wait to release it because um, he's got a couple offers that he's got out now, which is perfect timing. Um, And we've had a few in the pipeline. So now we're releasing it today. And I think it's the perfect time. So I was fresh off the medicine in Santa Teresa, Costa Rica, in this funny little hotel room with yellow walls and just a different vibe and uh sketchy wi-fi so it was (laughs) it worked out though we had an awesome conversation and super grateful to talk to hamilton and highly recommend you guys go check him out he's got he's a wealth of knowledge and he's been on aubrey marcus's podcast a couple times which was really really powerful so if you guys aren't really feeling into diving into more psychedelic conversations maybe this isn't for you but i really if you've been listening this long, really, I really like urge you to op- come with a curious mind, open heart, and really be willing to learn because sometimes these are the breadcrumbs that give that lead you down a path. And this could be the call because we say you need to be called to it. And sometimes hearing something like this could be the first step. This isn't for everybody. You need to be really careful on how you do it and your intention with this medicine, but it also can be very powerful. And when you learn from people like Hamilton, the experts, this is this is where the really solid value is. He's also the founder of Blue Morpho, 
retreats in, in Peru, which has been an amazing place for ayahuasca retreats over the last few years, last long time, actually. He's been open for a long time. So, but recently they've had to put a pause on everything because of COVID. Peru got hit pretty bad with um, all of it. So, uh, he's had to put that on side, but he's got some other projects that he's working on that we'll talk about. But um, yeah, really powerful episode. If you guys aren't subscribed to University of Adversity yet, please hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening to this or on YouTube. It's also available. And yeah, if you get value, share this, social media, tag us, whatever you want to do. And if you can, leave us a review. All right. So without further ado, Hamilton, sell there, cover right up. Here we go. Hamilton, how you doing, brother? Super glad to connect Hi. with you again, man. Yeah, so good to talk with you too, Lance. How's it going? Yeah, really good, brother. Um, yeah, so we're, I'm currently down here in Costa Rica still. Just came off a, a massive, massive week at uh, Saltara. So I've been, you know, really looking forward to connecting with you. And we had connected. I had first initially saw you on Aubrey's, Aubrey Marcus's podcast. Then we hopped on a call and I was just blown away. By your story and everything that you're doing man so really really excited to dive into this today well thank you so much for having me here and i'm uh super excited to be on your show and honestly can't wait to hear about what's been going on also <laughs> for you you know it's been a <laughs> wild time it seems yeah as we were saying before um you know the lots happened since we talked you've been up to a lot of awesome things which we'll get into i've you know been through i mean it been in costa rica it's been crazy so um yeah, dude. So where I, I would love to start is just kind of, let's talk about this last year. You know, obviously the show being University of Adversity, I feel like this is this has been a really good starting point for a lot of my guests because it's really been real in real time, real life, like the shit that we've had to go through in this last year and the pivots we've had to make. And it's really identifies like, you know, where we need to, where we need to work on, where our strengths are. And yeah, brother, first off, like how has the last year been for you? Walk us through a little bit about how it's impacted you and how you've had to adjust to everything. Well, I mean, the last year has been unbelievably adverse and uh, difficult in many different ways. I think it's probably the, the most intense, interesting and difficult year of our whole lives and careers. And uh, in our case, I mean, you know, last March, the Peruvian government just shut everything down in radical quarantine and everything uh, just got shut down. So Blue Morpho, which was, you know, our jungle lodge and sacred plant center for the last 19 years, just was literally shut off like that. And um, so we pivoted online and we started just looking in ways that we could actually help people boost immune system, decrease fear, use really all the teachings that we had uh, learned through the sacred plants and through the ceremonies and everything that we did over the years um, as a basis to be able to maintain our own strength, our own health, our own well-being as we went through what for the first three or four months was just truly apocalyptic, like absolute city collapse, martial law, uh, military taking the streets, the police uh, starting corporal punishment. I mean, it was wild, wild for, you know, people who are breaking quarantine, et cetera. And um, that tapered off around August, September and um, kind of things went not back to normal, but, you know, we're kind of gaining some some strength and people were stabilizing and the city was stabilizing and just in the last 
uh, six weeks, the next wave has started to hit the city and we're looking like we're heading back into another state of quarantine. Yeah, because you guys, you were saying that you guys, they got hit pretty hard with COVID in Peru. I wonder why you guys got hit so hard. Oh, it has to do with population density and okay. it, especially in our city. Our city's the largest, most remote city in the world. It's only, mm. it's over 500,000 people and it's uh, a very small piece of land. So there's unbelievably high population density. And, um, you know, the healthcare is struggling at, at times and under normal circumstances, it does really well. And under extreme circumstances, it's just, you know, so remote, it's uh, it's really hard to be able to take care of everybody. And with the population density and, uh, you know, this, the, the quarantine itself, it was a ripe environment here in the jungle to be able to, you know, ultimately contract COVID and, and uh, you know, pass it on. So in our case, our city during the height of the first wave, uh, we had over 93% confirmed exposure or infection rate. Wow. It really was apocalyptic. Wow, man. Yeah, because I mean, in, even in North America, it wasn't to that extreme, but it kind of went back to normal for a while. And then things just started to go back for the second wave. And I, I just, just the energy around it, man. It's like, it's been so different coming over to Costa Rica and just seeing the different feel of the energy and how much it affects you when you're trying to create and how much you're trying to like just be in a different different headspace for me it really yeah. impacts me man so i can just i could feel the energy shift in so many ways yeah i mean it's it's happened you know i mean the the quote unquote second wave is real and it's happening it might be a you know a month or two later than people expected but uh you know it's full on now and and we have to hunker down and ultimately live through it and in terms of energy maintenance, you got to use the skills that you learned, you know, all of the positive skills, all the ways to be able to stay strong, all the different ways to be able to boost immune system and use uh, plants as a way to do that. And ultimately, you know, maintain your core and maintain your center through all of this adversity. You know, you have to dance with life and um, in some ways, however you can find the positive and the true positive that there is around you and stay based in that love and stay based in that positivity and in a you know a, a bigger picture because the the adversity and the rolling times right now is uh it's it's wild it's unbelievably wild i feel like mother ayahuasca could wipe any COVID out of anybody though i feel like the power of that stuff man <laughs> uh you know the the healing abilities of ayahuasca are still totally unknown the, the, yeah, I know. the total reaches of what it can actually do um you know, that's still part of study and it's still part of mysticism, which is mm. in one way really exciting, you know, that it's still on the forefront of science and it's and uh, it's still a great mystery. Yeah. So let's let, I would love if you could kind of walk us through, like, how did you get involved with this powerful medicine in the first place? Like how because I mean, you've been doing it for a while since like early 2000s, right? Yeah. How did you yeah. like how did you get into this world of this this mystical medicine in the first place? Well, in my early 20s, I'd graduated from the university and I had a spontaneous spiritual awakening. And in that spontaneous awakening, I just got really clear messages that I was supposed to go to Peru and I was going to, uh, you know, ultimately find both medicine and people who are training in it and that I was going to be accepted. It was it was kind of this whole I mean, kind of wild story. And so um, 
I didn't really think much of it. I didn't think that it was really going to turn out to be true. I had a lot of doubts and, you know, fears and concerns that I had just, you know, maybe gone crazy or something like that. And uh, so I decided I had to go to find out whether or not there was any truth behind the nature of the awakening and the visions that I was having. I needed to know one way or the other. And the, the scientist in me wanted to just go and test it. And so I figured if it turned out to be true, I would have to deal with that. And if it turned out not to be true, I would have to deal with that. It was a pretty binary scenario. So in uh, 2001, I got on a plane heading to Peru for my first trip to Peru, you know, looking for mystics and looking for medicine men and people of higher knowledge. And um, that was really the core focus. And I, you know, was just told that I would travel around and I would ultimately be guided to the right place. And um, after about 70 or so days of traveling like that, I ended up in the Amazon deep in the forest and had my first ayahuasca ceremony. And it was in that ceremony that I had, uh, you know, really a quite a quintessential and very intense experience that I've talked a lot about. It's really, really intense. It's one of the most intense experiences of my life. And um, in that ceremony, I saw that I would actually stay there in that location and that I would uh, ultimately train there. Wasn't given specifics or details how, just that it would happen. And I thought that was even a crazier vision than the one that had taken me to the Amazon in the first place, because that was pretty rational. I didn't, I was in an area that was so remote. Um, it was 24 hours from the city that you could fly into. There was, I was beyond the last inhabitants of the last little community of less than 10 families on a tributary to the Amazon. Um, there were no inhabitants upriver from where I was. And so I was literally on the edge of where people lived. And I was told that I was going to stay there and train there. And what I didn't know was that one of the greatest mystics, living mystics of that time, was literally living literally 500 meters downriver from that location. And so that was the the big, uh, you know, mind blowing revelation. And later was that Julio, uh, the great mystic that was living there, would ultimately take me under his wing and uh, train me. And I ended up in a you know, full-blown apprenticeship in 2002, 2003, 2004. And that led to you know, going deep into the plant medicines, deep into uh, not just ayahuasca, but lots of visionary plant medicines in the Amazon, as well as hundreds of other kinds of medicinal plants and learning the traditional medicine forms and then being taken on what was you know, literally a traditional apprenticeship, typically reserved for relatives or, you know, blood lineage uh, people. And it was just a fluke that I got accepted and it was an unbelievable honor. And so in the early 2000s, I did my formal apprenticeship, graduated, and then uh, together we opened up Blue Morpho, which became, you know, one of the first uh, primary centers for this kind of medicine in the world. You know, it's so fascinating because back then there wouldn't have been really anything to gauge on what you were walking into, right? Like if you, I feel like at least with my experience, I kind of, I didn't know, but I was kind of, there was expectations there. Maybe that was good. Maybe that was bad. But like what you're saying about these visions, that must've been really challenging because you don't know if it's real or you don't know, cause you haven't really, unless you were told about it before, did you have any sources kind of walking you through like what to expect or anything like that? Or is it just these visions that you were like, holy shit, like what are these? 
Yeah, uh, no, it was all the visions. And I had heard of ayahuasca. I had read two uh, firsthand accounts of people who had taken it. And that was all I knew of it. <laughs> and I talked, I had only ever met one person that had ever actually taken it before I did. And um, his response was just, whoa, like that's all he could say. And then after <laughs> that, God. And he was not a religious man. So he's just, whoa, God. And that's all I got. I mean, that was literally all I had to go on. And so when I sat down, uh, you know, with the, the first medicine man to drink ayahuasca, in my case, we went out into the forest, we collected it, we, uh, we you know, made a, an area in the forest, a little clearing, I mean, very small, like tiny little clearing. We built a fire there. We cooked the ayahuasca literally in that clearing. And then that night we drank it together on the bank of that little river. And uh, only he and I drank it together just outside and, um, you know, just right in the right in nature itself. And wow. I was not prepared. I was not prepared for what it I, <laughs> I had no notion of how strong it was. I had no notion of the dose I had been given. I had I thought from what I had heard that the people writing about it had to have embellished because they said it came, you know, faster than they could have imagined. They got swallowed by it. It was, you know, stronger than the strongest riptide. Once you were in, there was no out. It was, you know, vision at what seemed like the speed of light. They had, you know, these ways of describing it that I thought just fundamentally could not be true. Like, how could this kind of experience actually be true? Um, you know, and, and so I thought it had been embellished and by 17 minutes, half an hour into the ceremony, I wasn't thinking that they had embellished. I thought they had talked it down. I had, everything had flipped. It was it was a billion times stronger than what I thought I could handle. I thought I was like, you know, on literally on the edge of physically dying. And uh, then I purged in every possible way out the top, out the bottom, through the skin. Uh, it didn't matter. I mean, entities were everywhere. They were talking. The forest had not not only was it alive, it was now conscious and could communicate with you. Uh, it was just buck wild. I mean, it was the by far, by far the most intense experience I had had in my life up until that moment. And it was a true, truly defining moment. I was taken through an entire life recapitulation like life had been broken down to fragments smaller than a nanosecond. And um, so, you know, it seemed like years were were millennia and um, everything was just like just so fast. So the visions were each one was like a strobe light going off and there were like 100, 150 strobe lights worth the vision at the same time. The brain couldn't keep up every time it couldn't keep up. It would just cause vomiting and then it would all start over again in another wave. It was multidimensional, it was multicolorful, it had every color you've ever seen and another million colors you had never seen in it. Uh, inside all of that color and all of this, this like sacred geometry, changing geometric patterns that literally shook the, with the shaman and the entire forest at the same time. Like that interconnectedness of nature was something that I had never experienced before and uh, couldn't articulate at the time. And I was just overwhelmed, you know, mm -hmm. and then at the end of it, I was told I had found my apprenticeship and that I would stay. And that was the last vision I had. And I thought, this is insane. There's no way. How am I going to live out here? How am I going to live? I mean, they didn't even have the term off grid then, right? Like this was this was without inhabitants. This was beyond people in the forest. And I was supposed to ultimately live there and um, you know, and train. And so 
you know, there was literally nothing to go on. And uh, I found myself in the middle of that first ceremony and it literally was just survive it. Just get out the other side. Mm. Yeah, that's, dude, it's so, I can't even imagine what that might've been like because you wouldn't have had really good integration tools or even known what integration was. And Oh no, like even no just, just even like thinking about any of these experiences that I've had, you know, knowing that there's people around me and there's people to talk to about it and there's actual tools allows you to really make sense of it. But if I had gone through, you know, like kind of one of my nights by myself, not really knowing, I would, I don't know how I would have like what I would have thought because I thought I would have gone, I thought I was going crazy at certain points, but I kind of knew already that that was expected. Right. So in the, you know, I just went into gratitude and just trusted, but if you don't have those tools, like if you're just going in, like that's a whole different story. Oh, it was mind boggling. You know, I was thinking, is there anything truthful or real behind a spiritual experience? Just can, can that even be real? You know, is there truth to what, what was happening to me at that period of time? And, uh, you know, there was, like I said, there was almost nothing written about it and there was almost nothing really known about it. And so it was, you know, truly blind. And the tools that you had the next day were what you could come up with. Nothing was shared. Nothing was spoken about. Uh, there was literally no prep going into the ceremony. There was just drink this at this time. And then there was, you know, the next day. Okay, well, let's go. Let's get in a canoe and start canoeing upriver. And, you know, for me, that was the integration, which had left me just in a state of awe and shock and and just looking around and realized that I was in like a completely new world. You know, it, like in one night, my reality had expanded so far that I now knew that could happen and that I could have that kind of an experience and that that was real. And it was a fundamental real experience, you know, and I just had to try to wrap my head around it. And um, I was glad that there was confirmation to the visions that I had had before that. And at the same time, I was, uh, you know, so throttled and so impacted. I knew that I needed to take a few days and just kind of let things settle out. Yeah, it's amazing when, you know, they talk, people talk about these different dimensions and, you know, entities. And it's kind of, if you haven't experienced them or seen them, it's one thing, right? It's kind of like, oh yeah, I, I, I kind of believe in them. I kind of get it. But then when you see them and you're in it, you're like, okay, I get it. Like, <laughs> I understand. And then you know what's possible. Then it allows your awareness is just so much greater. And I, I, it's so powerful in that way. And I mean, I've only done it four times and you've done it thousands. And it's just like, it's hard for me to imagine like how much can get uncovered, like each layer, each, like these different things just keep coming. Well, I don't think there's an end to it. You know, yeah. I think fundamentally you're going deeper into the unknown and the unknown is truly limitless. Yeah. And, you know, you gain skills along the, the way you become much more capable. I mean, you think about the ceremonies that you are in, there was a uh, medicine man or medicine people and shamans guiding it. So uh, they're clearly capable of being basically fine in that ceremony, not losing their mind, not overwhelmed, not, uh, you know, whatever, any of the adverse effects, no, literally none of the adverse effects. And when I started, I just couldn't believe that you could ever transform enough to be like that. But the actual training that, 
you know, has been figured out over truly thousands of years of how to train in these uh, with these plants and how to become a master of the plants, you know, ultimately got figured out. And it is truly a, a transformative experience mm. that over time makes it so that you can navigate and you have those tools and you learn how to navigate and you ultimately discover more and more and more things. And it's, you know, it's been really exciting over the years when we've had what we thought were visionary discoveries. And then ultimately years later, um, you know, there's scientific reports on the things that we had been seeing or the things that we had been experiencing. So as we had been, you know, ultimately creating our own hypotheses and our own, uh, you know, thesis, et cetera, about the, and theories about the experience and, you know, how far it could ultimately go and what we were seeing and what we were tapping into. We've had confirmation, you know, from all different sources over the years that what we were experiencing was fundamentally real. And that just, uh, you know, fed into the desire to keep going even further and try to discover more and see more and understand more and really embrace that uh, kind of openness to the unknown and uh, just be grateful to the fact that there's these consciousness medicines. What are some skills that you developed through the medicine? Because there's so many metaphors, there's so many tests after. I noticed, I, I, I was just feeling it and everything that you go through in that medicine can apply in real life. It's not like it's just something that you do in the medicine and then it just, life is completely different. It's like all the stuff that you're going through and learning, they're all, it's all transferable into real life. You know, like what were some of the things, some of the tools, like some of the metaphors over time that really helped you? Like what are some of the things that you had to, that maybe you were struggling with that you were able to work through and become better at, at overcoming? Sure. I mean, there's literally hundreds, but uh, some basic ones start just with the physical body literally just just at body itself. Mm. And I think the most important skill associated with body is the breath. And you think about the way that the, the medicine men and medicine women in ceremony sing, and they take a big deep breath in, and then they sing for a very long time, like a very, very, very long time they yeah. can chant. And you think like, how are they doing that? <laughs> yeah. You know, how, are they, how do they keep chanting? How do they keep chanting just on one breath? And so learning how to be able to use the breath like that in that kind of a cycle is is unbelievably centering and stabilizing and then um, becoming aware of different thought patterns. So once the breath is stable and the body's stable, you know, then you can start to actually use your mind to be helpful in the ceremony instead of the mind just being swallowed by the ceremony. And so then you can start to become aware like, OK, that's doubt or that's fear you know, okay, I understand that I understand what that is. I can either stop creating that or I can release that. I cannot do that anymore. And I can start to relax and, and do something else with those, you know, feelings. Like you said, when you felt like you were losing your mind, you had the tools to go to gratitude. We always go to the heart and the heart center and just hunker down in there when the medicine's working on the mind. So you learn how to use the heart as a, a real physical thing. You know, it's, it's not just beating and not just blood and not just love, but it's actually a, a place where you can reside within yourself and, um, you know, let things calm down. You learn how to be much more courageous and have so much more inner strength to be able to like, you know, leap into the ceremony, to be able to courageously go deeper into it instead of getting scared and trying to push back. And so you really like just move into the ceremony and with it. 
um, it's like surfing. It's like there's waves and you have to be on the, the you know, kind of like being pushed by the wave or you kind of get swallowed by it. And then you're trying to play catch up. So you learn how to stay in front of it and uh, ultimately stay super positive and stay connected to source, uh, universal love, universal energy, universal medicine. And then the ability also to invoke and call on allies and support within the ceremony that are ultimately there to help you. And some of them come from nature, some of them come from other plants, some of them come from the animals, and then also some of them come from our mythology and our greater understandings of from both science and mythology, uh, you know, border crossover into some religious uh, concepts, but ultimately that's up to, you know, each individual and their beliefs. What are some things that you see Obviously, this medicine's growing popularity, and anything we see, even in you know in the health and wellness space or anything, people try and you know mass produce it. They try and you know hold these retreats and do these things, and it kind of like waters down the real quality of it. And then people you know get involved in these different circles, and it can be dangerous. Like, what do you see? Where do you see that? And like. What other dangers can you see with this medicine? Like to people believe, not dangerous, but to be aware of, because it is powerful and like there's a lot of respect that's needed. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that you're dealing with something unbelievably powerful. And so when you're dealing with something that's actually powerful and by powerful, I just mean can, you know, rapidly change the way that you experience life very quickly. And so when you're dealing with something like that, you want to have the utmost respect. You want to understand that it's powerful. And so you want to know that you're in a safe place. You want to know that you're with people who are well trained. You want to know that uh, the people there have your best interest at heart. You want to also, you know, be in a place where you can be comfortable enough that you can feel safe in having that experience. And, um, you know, I, I think then the biggest thing to do is to allow yourself your own beliefs and your own understandings. You know, instead of just believing what people tell you, don't just don't, you know, have your own experience and ultimately little by little make sense of that experience. But I think the biggest danger is just being told a bunch of, uh, you know, just made up nonsense about it. And then thinking that somebody, you know, has authority over that and is telling you those things that that must be real. And um, fundamentally, we just don't think of it that way. We think of these ceremonies as a personal exploration. And so they're not requiring of belief. And so you don't have to you know, believe in anything before going into it. You just need to be open-minded enough to have the experience. And then uh, you know, don't give your personal power away. Your personal power is your own and um, you don't give it to the plants or anybody else. You sit within it and you cultivate it. And when you're really in a medicine space and a medicine center, everyone there is for the, the same reason. They're there for human optimization. They're there for healing. They're there for exploration, growth and learning. And that's what it's really all about. And all the negative stuff is ultimately about distortion or, you know, playing around with uh, the substances and the mind and playing with concepts and ideas that may or may not be true or are based in illusion or delusions. And fundamentally, you just want to stay out of that. So, you know, mm. do research beforehand that you're going to a highly recommended, really solid group of people and place for this and then be open to the experience itself and just, you know, reserve your own beliefs for your own experience and always know that you're protected within your heart and within infinite and unconditional love. And uh, then I think you could ultimately have a very positive experience. 
And the dangers are, you know, simply uh, opening up in places where it's not safe to do so. And so that can be easily figured out by uh, research and talking to the people involved and, you know, using your, your gut feeling and your intuition and trying to get as much research as you can on a place. And, you know, obviously understanding that um, if a, if a place has been around longer and has a longer history, there's going to be more information on it. There's going to be more positives that are said. There's going to be more negatives. There's going to be a lot more opinion about it. And then you can go through that and see if that place resonates with you based on what other people have said and based on, you know, their uh, accolades and their criticisms. And then in that openness to opinion, you can see what a lot of people have thought and said about their experience. And uh, then you can guide yourself to a place that's obviously safe and uh, really, really positive for these ex these ceremonies. Mm. You you mentioned something earlier about kind of like for so for me, I while I was doing it, I progressed in dosage. And this was something that a real lesson came to me was that the last night I went backwards. So I was like. And the download for me was I, you're not trusting yourself and you got to take enough medicine to kind of like, because I had such a powerful night on my third night. It was so mentally draining that the next night I was like, Oh, I'm just going to have an easy night. I'm just going to take one. And I went in there. Then the whole, the messaging was like, you need to trust yourself. You need to believe that you can handle it. And my night ended up being a very, well, it was a negative experience as far as like compared to the third night, but it's a, it was a real test to be like, there's no such thing as like a free way out. You got to just go through it and don't be scared. And how important is that to like really be progressing through your ceremony or to at least hit the level where you're, you're taking enough because like that last night I felt like I was almost in my head too much yet you know, we know we can do it. It only gives, it gives you what you can handle. But at the same time, you know, our ego is like, oh, I'm tired. I want to, I, I don't want to do that much, but it ends up being just as challenging anyways, because you're dealing with your ego instead of like the experience as much. Yeah. I think that's very insightful. You know, uh, the way we look at it is if you show up to ceremony, you came to ceremony and you're going to have your ceremony, whether you think you can or you you can't and that even mm. includes people who decide not to drink at all mm. they're going to have a ceremony they're going to sit there and they're going to be in ceremony and the, what's important is the ceremony not the consumption of any of the plants the importance is the intention and the willingness to show up to give yourself that amount of time to learn about yourself and to you know have an experience and some people's experience is just sitting in their heads thinking and then they pay a lot of attention to the thoughts that they have inside their heads thinking. And the medicine people look at that and go, oh, look, that person's thinking and really believing their own thoughts. They're, you know, like you say, stuck in the ego. And that will be the, the experience. In terms of dose, we think that it's important that you just have enough. Mm. So it's not, it's not more and it's not less. It's yeah. just enough. And there is this, uh, this threshold in these experiences that you know where you've crossed over. Yes. Like you, you know it, you know, you've crossed over into another state of consciousness and that's enough. As soon as you've crossed over into another state of consciousness, you've had enough. Yeah. And if you back off be before that amount, you won't have enough to get over that hurdle. 
right? And then you really will be under the influence of the substance, but the substance will almost, it won't be helping you, you know, cause you didn't get over that, that hurdle, right? So it's not able to help push you. So then you, then you're left with it. And then you're left with sort of the weight of it. And you're like, dang, I'm here. It's in yeah. me. And, and I'm me, I'm just me. I'm not, you know, the, the, extraordinary version of me. I'm just a me in me dealing with me with this. I have some nausea. I'm not seeing as much. I thought I was tired, but your, your head can just play tricks on you and you have to ultimately, you know, deal with that. So I consider that a very positive experience to learn how to deal with yourself and ultimately develop trust for the process and for the medicine. And then you ultimately can learn that, you know, enough is not getting high it's not taking a drug. It's not those concepts. Mm -hmm. Enough is having the ceremony and having the support of the plant and the plant energies. Mm. And so I've watched people who come to ceremony and they say, look, I just can't, I just can't do it anymore, but I want to, I feel compelled to. And I said to them, Hey, you can have the night off. And they're like, no, no, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And then they end up and they have a big dose. And it ultimately ends up being the gentlest night. Yeah. Because the ayahuasca itself knows the energetic condition they're in. And so it, even though they had a bigger dose, it actually backs the effects off, takes them really deep, but really gentle, and uh, takes them on a completely different kind of journey. And, you know, we get into this idea of trying to compare one journey to another. And ultimately, it just does not work that way. Every yeah. journey is new and it's its own journey. And you learn to trust that the, you know, the ayahuasca is not just a same thing as like you would think of as a drug. And, uh, you know, that night is specific to a relationship that you have with those plants and those plants ability to know you and to work with you. And that's fundamental to the practice of, you know, the traditional medicine of the Amazon. Yeah, that's, that was just such a powerful, you know, thing for me to go through was my second night. It was, you know, one of the scariest nights of my life. And I went into the third night thinking, oh, okay, I better just do the same dose. But I was like, you know what? I'm going to take more. I took more and it was the most beautiful thing I've ever experienced in my entire life. I, I crossed over. And did it get a little bit scary and overwhelming? Yeah, but I had this like, I, I, I mean, it's hard to quantify in words, you know. And it's like, it was, I saw different realms. I felt this like connection to life force energy, universal intelligence. I was like, this is, this is the most powerful fucking experience I've ever imagined. And it was just so draining that the next day I was like, I, I, cause I was up all night, man. I had energy. I was, I was writing, I was like dancing. I was like, I've never been like, felt like that in my life. And the next day I was so drained that I was like, okay, I'm just gonna take half of that. I'm just gonna have an easy night, but you're right. It's like, it knows and it rewards you for your bravery. It rewards you for your courage. It's like, oh, you, you really stood up to it even though you were scared. And then, but instead I backed off and I got my ass kicked because I knew inside I could have handled it. And that was the lesson. It was like, just trust yourself. You got this, you know? And we don't trust ourselves enough in life. And that was my whole message for the whole week. And I think a lot of people listening as well, it's like, we're resilient beings. Like we can handle it. We can just, we just got to trust and believe. And that's why that was so powerful. Cause I'm like, ah, oh, I get it. 
I get it. That's what, how the, that's how life is. That's how, that's how we have to live. If we're not believing and trusting in ourselves, then we're never going to really get to where we want to go. You know? Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, that's one of the beautiful lessons from that kind of a ceremony, mm. right? You learn about yourself through that kind of an experience and you can ultimately take something away from it that's really powerful. You have to trust ultimately the universe. I figured we we're going to live in fear forever unless we learn how to trust. And so I figured, well, what can we trust? What's truly trustworthy? And then I learned instead of thinking nature is something that's scary and separate from us, we are nature and nature is ultimately trustworthy. It's completely trustworthy. And the universe also is trustworthy and that, you know, the plants are part of that universe. The earth life force is part of that universe. And this whole universe is ultimately trustworthy. And when you embrace it with courage and you embrace it with your own bravery, you are rewarded. You're instantly rewarded from having made that decision and treated your own life in that way. And we just get taught, you know, different fear patterns and different ego patterns that hold us back. And they literally hold us back. They're, they are ways that we ourselves auto control and hold ourselves back from our, our greatest potential. And these kinds of ceremonies can help people, you know, understand that, release that fear and release that doubt and fully awaken to themselves and then, you know, harness that potential for their own reasons, hopefully good reasons and uh, reasons that, you know, benefit others. Yeah, that fear response, we're taught to run away or like it is a bad thing. But what I'm realizing, it's like it's almost like a message that if you want the little rewards in life, those are the, the little fear. It's like that response. It's almost like learn to love that because you get bliss. You get joy from that. You know, it's like those fear doesn't have to be a bad thing, right? Like I'm not saying go do stupid shit like and, and risk your life, but like those little fears that we're scared of, there's a reason. I feel like there's an, there's a, there's a reason we're getting that response. It's like, come, come do this, lean into this because we're going to reward you with something on the other side. But we go, oh no, I don't want to experience that. I want to be safe. And then we, we kind of rob ourselves of that joy and we play small thinking about, well, what if I would have done that? What if I would have done that? Would I, you know, and I feel like so many people in life are, are going through that as well. And it's, it was just such a profound lesson to me just take into my life. You know, it was one of those main, you know, tools. I was like, I get it. I get it. You know, well, that's fascinating and fantastic. I mean, I completely agree with you. you. Fear doesn't have to rule or control our lives. I think it's there to be a warning system mm. and it's there to tell you when something's off. And otherwise, if you move past that and you move past, especially those little fears, especially in a safe way. I mean, that's what's really important is that if you're doing this in a safe way, this is a great way to be able to learn and grow. Uh, it's not like racing cars or, you know, super motorcycles, et cetera, like, you know, big wave surfing, whatever, like these extreme, extreme uh, experiences that that are really potentially life threatening. This is ultimately a, another way of being able to address those fears. It really is a lot more cerebral than people think. It's the fears happening here and learning how to deal with it. It's not the fear happening outside of you. And when you're in a safe place, it's not dangerous 
to participate in the ceremony. And so you can face those fears, get over them. You can also typically see the origin of where they came from. You're like, oh, I learned this from this, you know, family member or this came in during this period of time in my life. There's usually some context associated with it that, you know, is part of the visionary experience and helps you put the story together about it. And then, of course, there is the release and the moving beyond it, which I think is that, you know, growth mechanism that's so special within these ceremonies. Powerful stuff, man. Powerful stuff. So, you know, obviously with what's going on in Peru, you know, you haven't been able to have, you know, your ceremonies and do those kind of things, but you've been pivoting and you've been working on some other stuff. And I would love if you could like walk us through kind of that world a little bit and really, you know, the benefits and the importance of moving forward and how it can help people. Sure. Yeah. You know, we've had to pivot like many, many people have had to pivot during this period of time. And so our retreat work, we all moved online and we had been working on that for many, many years of how to be able to work with people online, not just with uh, visionary plants, but with all different kinds of plant medicines. Many of them are in grocery stores. Many of them you can just buy from a health food store. And so what we wanted to do and help people, especially when they were experiencing different kinds of quarantines and lockdowns was how to be able to use plant medicines to be able to boost immune system and be able to stay healthy. And so we created the Trinity Retreat, which is a, a trinity of ceremonial work. And uh, we get into the, the consciousness states necessary for transformation through different kinds of breath work. We have the Trinity breath work that we teach during the retreat. And then um, people make all different kinds of teas out of medicinal plants and take different kinds of supplements, et cetera, while we do fasting. And during that process, we go through detox and cleanse. We, you know, cleanse the immune system, boost the immune system, and we combine the the dieta experience and the cleanse and the detox plus the ceremonies and then body work. And in the body work, we share yoga and qigong and our own body practices that we've created that uh, really get somebody to get the, the physical aspects of the body moving and healing as well. And so we share all of those via online retreats. And uh, you can find those retreats at bluemorphoretreats.world. And um, so we've been focusing our, our ceremonial spiritual work and, and you know plant work there. And also during the same period of time, we've been involved in some other projects, which are you know long-term projects that are really exciting. We started a digital online platform called Sizzle, and it combines the internet and it combines blockchain technology and crypto technology to create a community-based biosphere, like a whole digital community for content creators, artists, and fans to all uh, get together and benefit from the growing and the sharing and the propagating of the content and the community itself. And so as the community grows, uh, everybody shares in the, the growth and value proposition and wealth proposition created associated with that. And we as a group really wanted to impact this issue of you know, content creators and artists who struggle financially. We wanted to try to impact that and give artists and content creators and fans of that art a whole new model in which they could uh, you know, mutually benefit from supporting each other in the creation and the, the sharing and spreading of that art. And so 
uh, sizzle.media is uh, it's in the process of being launched and we're super excited. People are going to be able to, you know, go to the website and start signing up and become part of the original founding members of the community. There's a tremendous amount of benefit in uh, being part of that original founding community. There's extra tokens that are being given out uh, to that community. And they'll also be the start of, you know, what will be something that really changes the way that artists and uh, fans ultimately benefit in value and financially from digital communities. Mm -hmm. So we've been working on that and uh, we've taken our time to be able to, uh, you know, create that and share that. And then uh, through this whole process, I've also decided to uh, write some books and share some of the stories of these experiences. And so I've, uh, you know, I have two books that are coming out. The first is uh, The Mystical Secrets of Medicine versus Sorcery, The Untold Story of Ayahuasca. And it's a chronicle of my apprenticeship. It's part one of that story. So The Mystical Secrets of Medicine versus Sorcery, The Untold Story of Ayahuasca, and uh, The Mystical Secrets to Money Magic, Creating Infinite Wealth and Success. So I wanted to write a book to be able to help people, uh, you know, understand how to be able to use these uh, techniques and these, uh, you know, mystical practices to be able to help them in every aspect of optimization and life success, including uh, the ability to create wealth and uh, of all different kinds, not just financial wealth, but financial wealth included. And then, um, you know, I wanted to back that up with the nature of the story of our apprentice my apprenticeship and how everything got started, how we got started as a group. And so those uh, books are going to be published on Amazon and available as well. Wow, man. And that's all been in the last little while too. <laughs> yeah, literally it's, it's all happened, uh, you know, and the, the different projects have had their own lives and stuff. So the going online and all of that started last year and um, the books happened later in last year and then they were going through their editing processes and stuff. And the sizzle.media project uh, has been in development for the last three years. Mm. So that's a really extensive project and it's designed to, you know, impact people all over the world to be able to help them ultimately uh, have a much better experience digitally and also uh, a very different value proposition. Mm. You know, when we were looking at digital communities, we were looking at these models that came out of the internet that are called freemium models, which everyone's familiar with, where you just go to a website and you can sign up for free and you start uh, getting an, you know, having an experience from that. And, you know, we've learned over the years that that experience isn't as free as it's originally proposed to be. And uh, so I thought that, you know, ultimately there could be an a, evolution or an advancement on that idea of a freemium model to in the crypto world, actually a model that benefits you, a reward model. So not instead, instead of it just being free, uh, it's actually a reward model where you get rewarded for your participation, you get rewarded for the support that you represent to the growth of the entire community, and that that ultimately then uh, creates a new kind of digital community. You know, if on current digital communities, as that community gets larger, you don't get any benefit from the growth of the community. 
If you help grow that community, you don't get any benefit from helping grow that community. And so we wanted to solve that problem and find a way to be able to reward the community itself in a new form of uh, valuation and value mechanism. And crypto and blockchain technology made that possible. Tokenization made that possible. And it was something really exciting to us. Yeah, it's awesome, man. I mean, there's so many content creators now. I mean, everybody, everybody's making content. You know, and nobody's majority of people, I would I would think, aren't really monetizing or capitalizing on that, the the content that they make the way they could be. And I love the idea of, you know, being rewarded for helping other people and consuming content and you know, actually yeah, like get coming from a place where your content is just it's not it's not just about making money, but it's about really like helping build a community and helping add value. And I, I just feel like there's so many people that don't make content or, you know, don't make enough of it because they just, they feel like it's a waste of time because, oh, nobody's going to care. I'm not going to make any money. What's the, what's the, you know, what's the ROI of this? And, and I've gone through that too, right? There's, I've got, you know, so much content that hasn't been even put out and this kind of thing. And it's, it's, it's always like in the back of my mind, well, I don't know, is it like, is it worth putting in the time for this? Right. And I think having something like that is really important because anybody that listens to a podcast or anybody that does anything now online is creating some sort of content, any business you're in, you, especially in these times now, everything's online, right? You have to be creating content. So I think it's great to have a platform that can, you know, help people out that way and, you know change the conversation a little bit. Well, I you know, deeply appreciate that. You know, that was the goal that we wanted to solve was how do you give content value again? Before digital content had value because it was very difficult to create. And, uh, you know, so you can remember back to buying CDs or buying DVDs, et cetera, you know, and then buying cassettes before that records. And, and so those that way, you know, content creators, artists, etc really get got something for the content yeah. and then with the digital revolution which was amazing i mean just fundamentally you know throttling to the earth completely changing to the way humans interact uh you know truly amazing in so many different positive ways one of the the difficulties from it was that content lost its value and it didn't just lose its value for just small independent artists it lost its value for all artists tons and tons of artists you know, uh, lost in income streams. And it maybe didn't affect like the 0.001% of artists in the world so much, but it really affected everyone underneath that echelon that, you know, either could, you know, just get by or they could, uh, you know, make a living from their art. All of those people ultimately suffered and had to pivot in so many different ways to be able to, uh, you know, continue making a living from their art. And one of the things we wanted to solve was how to be able to bring value back to the content itself. And so, uh, we looked at it and we thought, well, you can't do it under the, the current designs of the platforms or they would, you know, it, it's it's not like the, the platforms have an ulterior motive to, you know, give you a worse deal. It's, it's not really like that. It's all based on the, the core economics of the platforms themselves. Mm. And so we looked at it for a way where we could monetize it just differently. How could we monetize a platform differently? And we realized that we could utilizing this idea of tokenization 
and through a token, the token could ultimately go up in value over time. So your content, in essence, can go up in value over time. So, mm -hmm. you know, you know the, the short lifespan that digital content now has. If you receive something that appreciates in value over time for that content, then you're gaining value from having received that at that time. And that's, you know, the beauty of this idea of crypto and tokens is that they can go up. And we've seen tokens go from pennies to being worth literally thousands of dollars and so there can be an incredible appreciation in the value of the way that you're being monetized and being supported for being part of this community mm. awesome man when when can we expect it to come out and when are these books going to be out <laughs> uh everything's coming out this next week so, <laughs> perfect so it's all it's all happening right now yeah yeah yeah, so I would have, I, you can go right now to sizzle.media and you'll be able to get the books on Amazon and uh, you can come to bluemorphoretreats.world and check out our retreat schedule as well. And, you know, our products are there also. So all everything's happening. Everything's, uh, you know, in the process of, of uh, now being brought out to the public and ready for everybody to, to start to join in. Yeah, right on, man. We'll have everything in the show notes so everybody can check you out. I'm definitely going to, I, I'm definitely feeling called that I got to go to Blue Marfa or Peru to do the medicine again. I feel like so many people talk about Peru and I'm like, man, I got to get there at some point. I feel like it's, and, and obviously I want to go check out Blue Marfa, man, because I've heard such great things about it. I deeply appreciate that. And uh, we'll be looking forward to, you know, <laughs> being able to interact with you and, and have you down here. Yeah, man. Let's, let's hope that uh, next year sometime or we'll, we'll see, but yeah, man, I uh, really appreciate you coming on. I mean, you have so much value and I mean, we just, there's only so much we can get in an hour conversation, but like, dude, thank you so much. I mean, it's, it's so great that you're releasing these books that go into your story because people need to hear it. You got so many, so many wise stories and so many tools and just so many visions. It's just like, it's amazing. So I can't wait for those books to come out, brother. And I really appreciate what you bring to the world, man. Thank you so much. Thanks everybody. Make sure to check out Maestro Hamilton Souther. Go, go follow his stuff. Um, he's been on plenty of podcasts and uh, grab his book. Man, he's, it's all going to be in the show notes. He's wealth of knowledge, great guy. And I really enjoyed this conversation. So please hit that subscribe button. If you guys did get value from this, share this with a friend, leave us a review. It's all appreciated. And also remember that this medicine is powerful. And, you know, the more we educate ourselves with the right information, the better. You may be called to it, you may not. It's not for everybody, but I really want to provide you guys with the best resources and education around a lot of these different things that can help us get through the adversity that we're going through. And this could be a tool for you. So reminder, check out the crowdfunding campaign for my brand new book, Mastering Adversity. The link is in the show notes. We got lots of giveaways or we let lots of offers there. You want to buy a book for 25 bucks. We've got a launch party for 99, $250 for the summit for a bunch of books. It's going to be epic. And there's one-on-one -on -one coaching with me. If you've ever wanted to start a podcast and you want to do it in two hours, I'll show you everything from start to finish two hours. This is a steal to, to, for this. This is going to, you're going to actually know how to set it up, launch it and actually do it properly. 
in two hours. And that is one of the bundles. So highly recommend you check out one of those and keep your eyes open for the University of Adversity Summit. We are going to be doing that May 21st. It's going to be epic. So many awesome speakers are going to be there. I'm working on the most high level inspirational people. And I'm really excited to have you guys involved. So much love. We'll catch you next time.